You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is... uh, Mile High Huddle Senior NFL Draft Analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, Broncos are 2-0. Got an easier game against the Jets this week. You and I are going to be there. We got the, the Mile High Huddle meet and greet. How are you doing? You feeling good? You feeling excited? I'm feeling tired, man. It's been it's been <laughs> a busy couple days making sure I got everything packed and everything all ready to go. A uh, bunch of stuff that I've got to do to before leaving. And so it, it's been rough. And then I have a very early morning for me to start my travels of spending 30 over 30 hours in airports and airplanes over this weekend like i'm excited for it but man i'm just so tired right now (laughs) (laughs) i feel you dude i've been not really sleeping very well the baby is teething caven is now putting some molars through again and uh he's been he's been pretty rough as far as sleep goes he woke up at about one o'clock this morning and screamed for about an hour and i was up with him and then i got and went to work at about 4 30 today so i didn't really sleep very well last night but i'm doing good man I'm super pumped right now. The Broncos are doing exactly what they need to do against the competition they're going up against. They're handling their business. They're beating the teams that they should beat, which is a great thing as far as they step in the right direction for this team. Now, guys, before we get into the meat of our discussion, I just want to run through a a few quick matters of business. Again, you guys are watching the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You guys can follow me on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also for Scott Kennedy, who's running the ones and twos at Scout Kennedy on Twitter. Uh, guys, also make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account where you guys are going to get breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos. Anything film related, there's going to be opinion articles, quote breakdowns, anything regarding the Denver Broncos. That's where you guys are going to get it. Facebook supporters, make sure you guys go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle and click that blue become a supporter button so you guys can get some premium content like the Trickle Zone, which is not going to be airing this week because Eric will be in the air quite literally on his way to Denver tomorrow. Um, and also, guys, we have a quick um, a quick announcement here. As, as you all know by now, by this particular point, we are doing another Stars donation giveaway kind of a deal like we did last month with the Von Miller jersey. This month, we are going to be uh, giving away a Justin Simmons jersey. 250,000 stars to get into that uh, into that drawing. If you, The more you guys uh, donate stars, the more tickets you're going to get into it. We're 75% complete right now, so we're really inching close. We're going to hammer this out. Hopefully, we get it done by the end of the month, and that way we can continue on with the top five star donations so far. Michael Ronquillo jumping up big over the last week. Uh, Mrs. Moody. Up there as well, Stu McPeace, Zoot raining down from Mount Olympus himself. Uh, Randy Jones as well, Josh Shadow, Travis Weber in there. Uh, Gary Leeds Palmer, good friend on Facebook. That's a that's a great dude right there. Uh, Shane Daniels, Claude Riley, and Chris Hernandez, the 25-year Air Force veteran, also doing the most work. And guys, make sure you guys are also, if you're on YouTube as well, Top five Super Chat superstars of the month get thrown into that drawing as well to be entered into that uh, Justin Simmons jersey. Michaela Parker all the way up at the top. Chris Hernandez right behind her, hot on her heels. Mark Langley, uh, Zeus again. Christine Ramiti jumping into the top five this week. Uh, Seth Harmon, Naj, uh, Kiaka Mondragon, Casey Nickel, Brian Greenfield, all of you guys. Thank you all for all of your support because without you guys, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now with that, guys, today we have a great show planned up for you guys. I'm going to be doing some some individual matchup breakdowns that the Broncos really need to take advantage of because this New York Jets team, they're young. They're, they are very talented. They have a couple of really nice players, but there's a lot of places that this Broncos team can exploit. Eric, I'm going to let you take it away from here really fast. What is your number one matchup to watch for this Denver Broncos team? Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner 
for the Huddle Up Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Well, I mean, in each of the games so far, I believe that the Broncos have had an advantage with their interior defensive line against the interior offensive line of their opponents. And I, that's the same case here is Elijah Bear Tucker, Connor McGovern and Greg Van Roten have not had the best of starts. All of them are, I mean, Elijah Bear Tucker, he's a rookie. And so he's got, he's still got potential, but Connor McGovern, he had his issues even before he left Denver that were covered up because of the scheme, and they're really starting to be shown a little bit more in, with the New York Jets. And then Greg Van Roten, he's just a, he's a okay guy, nothing special. But the issue is that they had an advantage against the Jaguars interior offensive line, and they failed to exploit it. So this week, Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, they have to step up, especially with no Bradley Chubb out. They've got to help take the pressure off of Von Miller. Now, last week against the Jaguars, outside of Von Miller, the Broncos had six total pressures from their other defenders, three of them from Draymond Jones and Shelby Harris. Von Miller had six by himself. So they got to have more. They got to get more. They got to get more consistently. So it's just a, a something that they have to figure out. This is a game that most people are calling a very easy win. For the Broncos, of course, you can't ever overlook your opponents because of any given Sunday. But Denver, has they have to go out there. They have to execute. And this is the game before things really start to get tough for them. They need to go iron out the kinks that they have, which includes getting more consistent play and pressure from their interior defensive linemen. Yeah, absolutely, man. We're going to say hello to the chat really fast before I piggyback off of that because your top matchup is my top matchup, man. Draymond Jones versus Greg Van Roten. But first things first, uh, shout out to Peter Middleton doing the Lord's work in the chat right there uh, and making sure that we understand we got star donations, doing his work over in Cambodia. And also he's up there at the top of the uh, the, uh, the stars donations as well. So Peter, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, Michael Ronquillo says he can't send stars this weekend uh, and the next week. That's all right, dude. You're just, you're here. You're showing your support. You're, you're engaging with the chat. We just appreciate you for being here, man. You have been a super supporter for every single show, every single day you're here at 6 o'clock. So we really appreciate you on that one. Uh, let's say hello to Higher Learnings. What's going on over on YouTube? Uh, Vinny J in the house as well. Uh, let's see here. We got another couple I want to say uh, hello to. Fallen Angel. What's going on, man? Uh, do you think we should sign that KCO lineman? Mitchell Schwartz? Um. No, I it's I I it's hard to say because with the injury that he had last year, I, I just no idea where he's at. I mean, if he's back healthy and playing how he was before the injury, then of course he'd be a huge pickup. But it's just it's just a concern as to where he's at. Bobby Massey hasn't been a complete liability. He's been solid for them for the most part. So I'd continue to see what he does instead of bringing in another uh, right tackle to come in and compete. And if things fall apart with Bobby Massey, then you can turn to Calvin Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. And Calvin Anderson really almost won that job in training camp. Like he has been playing tremendously. He filled in really nicely for Garrett Bowles last season against the Carolina Panthers, has grown tremendously. He's a pet project for Mike Munchak, has really taken a lot with Garrett Bowles, who has become one of his best friends and a roommate there for a while over this last summer. So Calvin Anderson seems to be on the right track to being that guy, that next guy up if something were to happen with Bobby Massey. Uh, last one here really fast. I want to grab Travis Weber for saying hello. Good evening, Lance and Eric. What are your thoughts? on the current signings. Um, they they just signed a couple of players, Micah Kaiser being one, an off-ball linebacker that played with the Los Angeles Rams over the last couple of seasons, was named uh, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week a couple of years ago against the Philadelphia Eagles for having a 16-tackle game. He also had a couple of passes broken up. Um, young player, uh, very athletic, smooth guy, knows the scheme. I like that one. Eric, I forget the other one that they had. I know it was a Jacksonville Jaguars edge defender. Can you elaborate on that for me? 
Aaron pra- Aaron Patrick, Patrick. He came out of I believe Eastern Kentucky. He was a guy that they decided to go pick up off their practice squad and bring into the roster. And I don't know much about him. I haven't had a chance to go and check anything on him. Um, but I know a lot of people were concerned because oh, it's the Jaguars. The Jaguars are actually pretty talented at edge. And so getting a guy who didn't make the roster isn't the big thing. One thing I always say when you're getting to your cutdowns at the 53-man cutdown time is that you look at players who are cut from teams and is that position there strong or is it weak? And for the Jaguars, I mean, edge is a solid unit. So it's not a big deal to me that they're that they're picking him up off him. Clearly, they see something with him. Hopefully, it works out. Uh, but they, they need another body with Bradley Chubb out for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to Kaiser really fast with the Josie Jewell injury, which was very unfortunate. And we all know how that kind of played out. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. Dang it. Uh, anyways, no, Kaiser is actually is going to be active. He's going to play. It sounds like he's going to play a role on special teams specifically to start out and could potentially get in on the defensive unit in, in the in the sub package. But for the most part, it sounds like um, Kaiser is going to be relegated to a to a, a backup role for right now and just plays specifically on special teams. But Travis, thanks for showing up again, man. We really appreciate We appreciate every single one of you guys for joining us tonight. Got 77 sets of eyes, 16 reactions on Facebook and and make sure you guys smash that like button. Everybody, whether on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, does not matter. Smash the like button, share it out, get it in front of as many Broncos as you can, Broncos fans as you can, because without your support, again, we can't do what we do best. All right, now getting back to our topic at hand here, Draymond Jones versus Greg Van Roten is the number one matchup to watch for me this week, specifically because Greg Van Roten is the number 57 out of 69 pass protecting uh, guard in the NFL over the first two weeks of the season. He has two sacks allowed, which is tied for the first most in the NFL right now of any guard uh, across the league. And there were 69 total players ranked. I believe that the the PFF uh, ranking that I looked at had a snap qualifier of more than 50 snaps. So with with uh, Greg Van Roten being as bad as he is against the uh, against the pass rush specifically, this is a, a get right game specifically for Draymond Jones, who everyone really predicted as that breakout player this year. And while he has been very solid, he was really good against the New York Giants. He hasn't really had that much of an impact in the passing game, like we really all thought that he was going to have. So to me, you got to take advantage of a lesser matchup here and really start to push on the interior because the more that you get that pass pressure, the more you're going to loosen things up for Von Miller and Malik Reed coming. Off of the other side. So Draymond Jones, this is a get right game for him. Greg Van Roten, that's the guy to watch. My well, next, go ahead. I just want to interject there is that uh, Draymond Jones absolutely killed the Giants in pass yeah. protection. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Von Miller didn't get those two sacks, Draymond yes. Jones wasn't wrong when he said Miller stole those sacks from him. I mean, he was right there for him. And uh, you talking about uh, Van Roten, I just want to mention that he is fourth in pass blocking efficiency from pro football focus and the one who or third i mean and the one who's fourth is his teammate the other guard elijah vera tucker is that fourth worst fourth worst third okay. worst for van Roten, fourth for elijah vera tucker gotcha okay well thank you for that and i i don't disagree with you on elijah vera tucker he was not very good i went back and watched the uh the the highlights the the long stream highlights from nfl.com on the both of the jets games so far and that was the first thing that really stuck out to me was their interior pass uh, pass protection that interior offensive line they are hashtag not good guys this is really an opportunity for the broncos to really pin their ears back and get after a rookie quarterback and really fluster him and force him into some bad decisions which he did a lot last week. He threw four interceptions. Two of them I won't necessarily say are on him completely, but at the same time, you can't be making those kinds of throws. Now, my second big matchup, I'm going to jump ahead in front of you here, Eric. My second big matchup to watch is rookie wide receiver Elijah Moore out of Old Miss. This kid is special, and he really is special. Eric, I think you compared him to Steve Smith Sr. in, in, the, in the draft. I believe that's where you were at. Um, regardless, this kid is a quality route runner. He's tough. He's physical. He can take the top off of the defense. And, man, Pat Sertan, with his lack of change of direction ability, this could be a big match to watch for for the uh, for the Broncos and a way to exploit this Broncos defense is by target you know rookie on rookie crime. Yeah, I mean this is one of my matchups, and it's not just specifically Elijah Moore versus Patrick Sertan. It's Elijah Moore versus both of these starting corners. They've both had a little bit of slow starts in both games so far, so hopefully they get off to a faster start. But Elijah Moore, with his ability, with his route running, with his change of direction, he can give both of these corners problems. 
and especially Patrick Sertan, he's not exactly the most fluid of corners. And and on that first drive against the Jaguars, they kind of exploited that with uh, comebacks, just trying to get him turned around, exploiting the the tightness in his hips a little bit. So Elijah Moore, he definitely can be dangerous there. But the thing is, is that the reason why it's both of them is the New York Jets, they love to flip those receivers. Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, they're about even on their split from working on the right side and the left side with Braxton Berrios in there in the slot for the most part. They like to use them. They like to ex- find ex- the favorable matchup and try to exploit it. So, I mean, both these corners, they've they've got the work cut out for them. I mean, and I'm on record that I pre-traft, I would have preferred Elijah Moore to KJ Hamler for the Broncos. Yeah, you were multiple times on record saying that. I, I actually remember that several different times. You, I think you were saying uh, if the Broncos wouldn't have gone KJ Hamler in the second round, you would have taken Elijah Moore in the second round. Like that's how high you were on him. So, and again, this this kid's tough. He's physical. He likes to likes to get his body into you, box you out just a little bit for not being the biggest guy. He is a, he is a little bit slighter of stature, but he still has that physicality. He's a dog when he gets the ball in his hands, and he really does have the ability to take the top off. They. They've taken multiple shots to him down the field, and they really like to use him on the deep over route a lot. I've seen a lot of that in their boot action game where they, they'll bootleg Zach Wilson out and they'll run the deep over with uh, with Elijah Moore. They do a really nifty thing, and this is something I noticed a handful of times where, this, where, where they will run a, a three wide receiver set to one side of the field, and they'll put uh, Elijah Moore and like Denzel Mims outside with Braxton Berrios in the slot, bunch them together, and then run kind of a it's, – it's not really a pick play, but it kind of is where they'll run a deep over and a crossing route on the outside. And then a a little sneaky flat route from Braxton Berrios coming out of the slot. They actually turned that into a really nifty wheel concept against the Patriots and hit a huge play down the left sideline. So that's something to watch out for. Braxton Berrios is another sneaky guy. You got to watch out for, for this, this jets offense. He reminds me a lot of Hunter Renfro in Las Vegas because he's a smaller guy, shifty guy, does really good work out of the slot. He's not quite as physical as Renfro is, but at the same time, he does a really good job on it. He's a really high quality route runner and he's just slippery. He knows how to get away from coverage. I think that Bryce Callahan will be able to hold his own in the slot against him. Um, I mean, that, that's just the best matchup for them to have. And then just see how uh, Kyle Fuller and uh, Patrick Sertan can do their, if they can do handle their own against Elijah Moore and, uh, Corey Davis, this is definitely a game where not having Ronald Darby definitely hurts with the receivers that they have. But, of course, it all comes down to the quarterback. And, I mean, we can't forget Zach Wilson last week on 10 attempts through four interceptions. Yeah, so. he did. He had uh, he had more interceptions than completions there for a second. He had four interceptions yeah. and three completions. Like, it was it was rough for one on his, Zach on his, on his first 10 attempts is what actually should be said there. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Let's let's run to the chat really fast here. I want to just grab a couple of comments if we have one in here. Uh, Vinny J coming out. We're going to take a shot at Eric really fast. KJ is going to make you look bad on Sunday, Eric. It's not that I don't like KJ Hamler. And it's not that I think KJ Hamler is bad. It's just I happen to like coming out of college and what we saw from KJ Hamler last year. I happen to like Elijah Moore more. That, that's all it was. It's not that I don't like KJ Hamler. It's not like I don't want him to succeed. Like, I'm a big fan of KJ Hamler too. I just happen to like Elijah Moore more. Yeah, and I I don't disagree with you. Player rankings are player rankings, and and people are going to have their own personal opinions. And that's the great thing about being able to talk football. You know, it's it's subjective. There, everyone's like, it's crazy how many times you can have like four or five different people watching the exact same play, and all four or five of those people will see something completely different and point something else out that you never saw before. So for for Eric to have that that matter of opinion on Elijah Moore over KJ Hamler, that's not uncommon. Uh, Butch Butch jumping in here nothing to say just showing some love drops and some stars on facebook we appreciate you on that one um john havlicek has a really good comment here um and it's not necessarily um i don't think that this is a must-win game but this is something we were going to talk about here in just a little bit we're going to come back to this conversation after we get through our matchups but regarding how this is a must-win game for the broncos because wins will be tough to come by with a tougher schedule coming up we were actually going to break this down for you guys here in just a few minutes so john sit tight and we'll get back to you on that one okay and i just want to grab this with Vinny j again says kj is still going to outshine more I hope he does because yep. that will be a good thing for the Broncos because it means that the Broncos managed to shut down more and KJ Hamler got going. It's the best yeah. thing. 
Exactly. And it would be really nice to be able to see KJ Hamler used in a, in a bunch of different roles. Um, everyone wants to call him the KJ Hamler of the Bronco or the, the, the Tyreek Hill of the Broncos offense. And while I, I could kind of see that the Broncos got to start using him like that. They've got to start getting him on the tunnel, sc- the tunnel screens. They've got to get him on jet sweep motion. They've got to get him lined up into the backfield, which I really was thinking about earlier today uh, about getting KJ Hamler lined up in the backfield and seeing what you can do with him that way and maybe do some different motions with him and try to get some different mismatches with him against the linebacker and coverage. That's a creative way that Pat Shermer needs to really think about getting so that we can uh, really unlock KJ Hamler's potential. Uh, Peter Middleton jumping in here. Uh, Noah Fant would be nice. I must have missed a comment up here earlier. I just want to see the tight ends get scoring. I mean, Noah Fant had a touchdown last week against the Jaguars on a pretty nifty little broken tackle for, I think it was what, a 14-yard touchdown in the red zone, something like that. Nice. Yeah, something like that. Um, let's see here. Shelby Harris has been a little quiet from Chase Wellner jumping in here. You want to speak on Shelby Harris just a little bit? I mean, he has been. I mean, he hasn't been uh, obviously batting down passes. They, they'll come in bunches. They'll eventually come. His pass rush hasn't been quite there. But he's been looking really good as a run defender. And typically, when defensive linemen are doing a good job as a run defender, it doesn't always show up for them, and it leads to them being quiet because it often it means that the linebackers are – taking advantage of the defensive linemen doing their job. But Shelby Harris has been solid as a run defender, more than solid, actually. But Denver needs to get him going as a pass rusher and uh, get those batted passes out of him. Yeah, absolutely. Gary jumped in here just a second ago, drops in some stars. Want to shout Gary out for for that and say thank you for joining us and thank you for your kind jo- uh, donation. We definitely appreciate you. And again, you're still up in the top 10 there, Gary. So keep them coming, man. Hopefully we can get you a Von Miller or yeah, uh, a Justin Simmons jersey here soon in the next couple of days. So we appreciate that, man. Thank you. Um, let's see here. There was a, there's a really good conversation going on with the Facebook crowd right now. Uh, um Malcolm Brown came in with a $2 donation. Always got to give a shout out to Malcolm here. My fellow Alaskan living a little bit south of me down in Homer says, uh, what three jets would have better careers in Denver? Um, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Um, Zach, Zach Wilson, CJ Mosley and Marcus may. hmm, I, I, I don't know. I, seriously, I do think that Elijah Moore would actually have a better career in uh, Denver um, simply because, like, just looking at as everything else is the same, I think Teddy Bridgewater would be a better fit for him early on in his career while Zach Wilson grows and develops. Um, I think uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think who else they have. Uh, follow Ronzu Fadukasi. I think he could, I mean, he's starting to really come into his own on this just defensive line. Um, I liked him when he was coming out, and I think that he could be a, a good clog on this Broncos defensive line. And then um, I'm not really sure for a third one, really. Fellow Ronzo Fadakasi is actually a guy I want to get to here in just a second. But uh, let me just – Andrew Baker, I believe is who it was, just said that he got his tickets for the game and he's going to be down there tomorrow. Guys, just want to remind all of you, you got the Mile High Huddle meet and greet – Uh, On Sunday, meeting up in the west parking lot, the southwest parking lot, Uh, we'll have a tent set up and and everyone's going to be there. Eric and I are going to be there. Chad and Zach are going to be there. Mike Evans, I think Kenny Booker is going to be in there. Luke Patterson is going to be there. A bunch of guys are coming in. Make sure you guys come. If you guys are going to the game, come down, come check it out. Come say hey, shake our hands and and have a good time with us at the Mile High Huddle meet and greet. Just want to drop that plug one more time as well. Um, but getting back to it, let's let's go right back into it again with Fularonzo Fadukasi. This is a guy that really jumped off the page to me when I was studying the Jets earlier today. Um, this dude is a bull. He is incredibly strong, does a great job in the running game. He's not necessarily the, the best as a pass rusher, but this dude gets under your pads. He blows up running plays quickly, and it seems like every other play he was doing something to create havoc in the backfield. This guy is absolutely fantastic he rushes primarily from the uh from the three or four eye technique um and he is going to be going against graham glasgow who's coming back from that that uh the heart palpitations or the the irregular heartbeat that he had in week one against new york giants first game back for graham he's been just kind of average for the most part but he's been arguably the best broncos interior offensive lineman this season that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch there is no arguably about it. <laughs> I want to uh, try, try to stay positive, man. Come on. Dalton Reisner. I mean, we've reached the point where the conversation really needs to be start happening about 
not benching Graham Glasgow, but benching Dalton Reisner. He's just been progressively getting worse since his rookie year. And part of the issue is that the Broncos blocking scheme last year and this year just isn't the best fit for him. Um, there, I mean, I broke down the interior offensive line, not just them, but the blockers, blockers in general this week in a three-part film series, guys, go check to mylighthuddle.com, check those out. And Dalton Reiser, I think on all but one play was mentioned negatively. Like it was just a bad showing from him. Lloyd Cushenberry, as long as he's not handling his one-on-ones, like he's doing fine, which is obviously what you want. But there were multiple times where he was doing a double team with Dalton Reisner that Dalton Reisner just put Cushenberry in a bad position for one of them, not even paying attention to his block. And it was just, it was rough to watch. So it's a good thing that Graham Glasgow's back, but uh, we need to get to the point where, you know, Nathaniel Moody at left guard over Dalton Reisner. Conversation needs to start happening. Yeah. Uh, here's another conversation that could potentially be getting to start happening here. Chase Wellner jumping in with a $5 super chat. I remember it caught some people off guard, no pun intended, but uh, does the Quinn Miners pick look better in hindsight? The interior offensive line has questions long-term. I'm going to handle this one really fast. Yes, absolutely. It does look a lot better because as you very uh, astutely said, the interior offensive line does have a lot of problems. Moody, uh, not Moody, excuse me, Quinn Miners has position versatility. He played guard at Wisconsin Whitewater, both right and left guard. It seemed like he was better on the left side than the right side, but they were also trying him out at center. This is going to be your swing guy. Uh, he's a developmental prospect. It probably will eventually start to begin to take over for Graham Glasgow. Maybe it's it, it, doesn't seem like he's really catching on right now. Kind of learned like struggling for the most part, especially learning the center position. But this is a guy that is strong as an ox. He has the most wild workout videos. He's really fun to watch. Is like pancakes are his favorite food because that's all he serves out on the field. Um, like miners to me is not a player for this year. He's a player for the future specifically. And I think it's going to be at that right guard spot. And I'm going to say this now, Nick's not here to jump on me, and I'm saying it completely as a joke just to bother Nick, uh, and I'll tell it to his face eventually, but uh, Denver Broncos, interior offensive line, round one, 2022. Let's go. Okay. Okay, so long as it's not that Linder Linderbaum guy, the Iowa kid, I, I, I'd be all Especially right with that. Especially not. <laughs> no. no more Iowa Hawkeyes. No more. <laughs> All right, so we've run through a handful of our matchups here. Eric, it's your turn. You have your number two matchup to watch here. Um, I actually kind of talked on that. It was the uh, Elijah Moore versus Sertan. Okay. Uh, but uh, I'll go to my number three, and it's this is one where the Broncos, they really need to exploit. I mean, it is so disappointing that the Broncos interior offensive line struggled as much as they did against the Jaguars because that was the easiest interior defensive line they are going to be facing for a while like i mean the rest of the lines i mean jets interior defensive line they may not be the best team but they're good i mean the baltimore ravens have a talented defensive line mm -hmm. pittsburgh steelers cleveland browns and so on and so forth things aren't going to get easier and what you got to do is go and get confidence in your blockers especially your interior offensive line you got to let them go out there and hit and go on the attack and run blocking and doing that, I mean, you want success with it. So Garrett Bowles versus Bryce Huff. The Broncos are over like 67%, I think, with a success run rate, either behind Garrett Bowles or to his outside. And they got to go and exploit that because Bryce Huff, I mean, for the New York Jets against them, they're allowing over a 70% success rate, I think 75% success rate wow. off that side. So Denver has to go exploit this. Go get some confidence in your blockers. Hopefully it turns around and you start seeing them to uh, gel a little bit more and go and uh, improve as a unit. But confidence can go a long way for your offensive linemen. They got to go do it. They got to exploit this matchup. Yeah, I didn't necessarily know that Bryce Huff was that bad off the edge in the running game. And I mean, obviously, we all know that Garrett Bowles is, well, until last season, he was one of the best run blocking left tackles in the game just because of his ferocious mentality and the, and the physical specimen that he is, especially with his athleticism and his length. But I didn't realize that it was that bad. Now, it, what gives me a little bit of pause on that running to that left side is you are going to have Dalton Reisner going up again against Quinnen Williams there. And Quinnen Williams is a monster dude. And Sheldon Rankins has been playing very well as well. And he plays a lot on that, 
uh, on that left side of the offensive line as well when they want to spell Quinn and Williams. But even behind Fularenzo Fadakasi, I mean, this area, in, this defensive line is is quite frankly very underrated for the New York Jets. Another guy that hasn't really gotten talked a lot about in in most circles is Jonathan Franklin Myers. This guy has incredibly heavy hands for a defensive end. He's not the like the bendiest guy. He really does play a lot of power rush, but he has two sacks in two games this season. He's like I said, he's very heavy handed. He blows guys back. If you got Bryce Huff on the other side, that might be the only weakness that this Broncos team can use to exploit in the running game. And let's be honest, guys, the Broncos running game has not been very good this season, despite being a top five rushing team in the NFL so far over the first two games. Uh, Brian Greenfield jumping in here with a $10 super chat. Eric, how confident are you on your score prediction of the Broncos putting up a 40 burger on the Jets? Because I can see it happening as well. Well, I mean, there goes my thing of uh, not getting my score prediction out on the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had the had the Broncos, I mean, winning in a landslide on this one. Um, 41, 42 to like nine, maybe 10. Like I, 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 I'm, I don't want to say I'm super confident in it, but I have some confidence and otherwise I wouldn't have made the prediction. I think that it's going to be a huge factor that Denver is going to be coming in to their home opener two and oh, and it's going to be loud. And, uh, I'm, I'm just confident in that. And, uh, I'm also confident that at some point you'll see an Alaskan get caught streaking, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be but a long no, I'm, fall. That's gonna be a long fall from where we're sitting. But no, I, I have good confidence in it. I mean, I just think that the Vic Fangio's success against rookie quarterbacks, how loud it's gonna be there in Denver, the situation. I mean, as long as the Broncos don't get caught up in their own head and overlook this game, they should be able to walk out there and win this game pretty easily. Yeah, and as as you just said, and as Peter Middleton said in the chat just a, just a second ago, I really hope we're not overlooking the Jets. And quite honestly, while the offense might be a, a bottom five unit this year, just based on the struggles that they're having, you know, with the with the rookie quarterback, um, they have some injuries there as well. Jamison Crowder looks like he's going to be doubtful with a groin injury. Who and Jamison Crowder had a really good game against the Broncos last season in Week Four. I think he had seven or eight catches for over a hundred yards, and I think he scored a touchdown as well. Um, th- that's a that's a big key for them. Denzel Mims is also not catching on with the playbook and he looks like he's banged up as well. Um, obviously Makai Becton not being able to start at the left side with that dislocated kneecap he suffered in week one. So they're, they're starting their backup uh, left tackle, George Fant this week, who's been playing pretty well in pass protection, but he's not the best run blocker. Um, the, the defense, though, like like we've already talked about, that interior defensive line has a, a handful of really good players. They've got Jonathan Franklin Myers. Uh, C.J. Mosley is a, is a pretty decent linebacker they have as well. Marcus May is a, probably a top five safety. Like this could be a this could be a matchup to watch because this Broncos offense, while it has been clicking and Teddy Bridgewater has been doing a really good job. They haven't been against the best defenses ever. I mean, the Giants were okay, but the Jaguars were absolutely terrible. There's some guys here, and this Jets team can be actually a little bit of a threat defensively if the Broncos can't get the running game established early and the Jets want to start clamping down on uh, with uh, with Marcus May and the rest of that secondary. So not to be the wet blanket here, but it, I mean, this definitely could be a game where the Broncos are looking a little bit forward because they do have the meat of their schedule with the, the Ravens and Pittsburgh and Oakland, or excuse me, the, the Vegas Raiders coming up here soon. So yeah, I, I definitely am with you on that one. Let's see, where are we at here? Oh, speaking of Teddy Bridgewater, I've got my fourth matchup to watch here. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater against C.J. Mosley, the aforementioned linebacker that the Jets have. This is actually an interesting one because Mosley, while he has not been necessarily the best in pass coverage, is really good fill linebacker. And they use him a lot on third down. Something I noticed when watching the Jets earlier today was on third down, they really like to send their pressure schemes. Whether it's sugar uh, sugar blitzing the A-gaps or using wraparound linebackers or twists and stunts, it doesn't matter if it's third and four or third and nine or third and 25. They're sending five or six guys like probably 60% of the time. They literally like to blitz on third down. And C.J. Mosley, the way that they use him, especially as a blitzer, as a pass rusher, this could be an interesting matchup to watch because Teddy Bridgewater here lately has been really hanging in there in the pocket tough, and he's been trying to hold on to the football just a little bit and create and extend some plays after it starts to break down. C.J. Mosley is a great athlete, and I think that he really has an opportunity to make his stamp on this game as a blitzer specifically. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's just a he's been a good player in the NFL for a long time. And I'm not sure when watching the Jets if he fully has his role in the defense down or not, especially when it comes to coverage. He's allowing a lot of catches and not quite being right there when uh, uh, when the catch is made. So it's very I'm, – I'm curious to see how they're going to go and try to exploit them. Teddy Bridgewater has done extremely well against the Blitz. Hopefully that continues. I mean, I'm sure the Broncos are going to be prepared for it. Hopefully their blocking does better. I mean, that's a big key is that this blocking, they have to improve. Um, they can't allow such quick pressures up Bridgewater – or up the middle or off around the corner or wherever they may be coming from for Bridgewater and give him enough time to go find his open guy. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it goes back down to it. And exactly like you just said, the, the quick and early pressure, especially up the gut, that's something that the Broncos have kind of struggled with this year. Um, and we've got two guys that can really do it in Sheldon Rankins, who is probably a little bit underrated. He hasn't lived up to that first round draft hype that he had coming out of Louisville a couple of years ago, but that dude can still get after it. I mean, he's, he's a bull. He's an ox. That guy plays with really good pad level. He's a disruptor in the running game. He can really create some pass pressure, but really Quinn and Williams is the guy to watch. And with the struggles that Dalton Reisner has had this season, especially in pass protection, like the interior pressure is really going to upset the, the apple cart for this Broncos team, especially for Teddy Bridgewater. He's going to have to get a little bit creative, but that can be a problem for him. And I, I, like this year, it seems like he's been doing really well with that, creating and extending plays and pushing the ball down the field. But this is the best safety he's gone against this season. And Marcus May, this kid is phenomenal. Like he's, he's incredibly rangy. He's a solid tackler, gets his hands on a lot of football in the passing game. I really like Marcus May. And if they're going to push the football down the field like they did against the Jaguars this week, that can be a problem for this Broncos offense. It definitely can. I mean, you're a little bit higher on Marcus May than I am. Um, I heard you earlier say maybe top five for me. He's barely in the top 10. I mean, not to take away from him. There's just a lot of good safeties in the NFL right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely one to watch. I mean, whenever you have a talented safety that can help and, uh, open up so much for your defense, you always have to be careful. Fortunately, Denver has two of them, which should make life a lot harder for, uh, for Zach Wilson. I saw somebody mention in the chat about Dinkin and dunking. And, uh, I mean, that's never been Zach Wilson. Watching him at BYU, uh, watching him through the first few games, he is not one that wants to dink and dunk. Very much of right now coming off as a kind of a reckless gunslinger. The four interceptions he had last last week were just terrible. They they were passes that there was no business being made, even for a rookie. They were really bad looks for him. Um, so definitely got to see improvements from him. And Denver, if... If he wants to continue to be this reckless gunslinger, Denver's got to make him pay. Yeah. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. He's got to start figuring out a way to um, to take better care of the football. Uh, I said earlier that uh, I didn't think that a couple of the interceptions that he threw were necessarily on him. They were on him because he forced that one football. There was one that he threw against the New England Patriots where um, – he, it was, I think it was an out route. He was kind of extending the play guy running towards the sideline and he threw a dart from about 10 or 12 yards away or something like that. Went right through his receiver's hands. That's not necessarily on Zach Wilson, but he missed an open receiver coming across the middle of the field earlier on that play. And if he gets rid of the ball a little bit quicker there, it's actually a big completion and probably a, a 25 or 30 yard gain on that play. So that is necessary. That is, you know, essentially uh, Zach Wilson's fault, but at the same time, not really. You gotta you gotta trust your playmakers to make some plays. Now he also had a couple of really he had one really bad underthrown ball on a corner route that was undercut by a cornerback, and then missed way long on a deep ball that was intercepted. And then the first one that he threw, which was in the first quarter, was that actually made the rounds on social media. By the way, I'm not sure, Eric, if if you sent that to me or if I just saw it on TikTok. Um, that kid that broke down that play, did you see that? Yeah, I did. That, that was that was absolutely hilarious the way he broke it down. And that is specifically on Zach Wilson. If you guys haven't seen that, check it out. I think I retweeted it. If not, you can find it pretty easily. Um, go to Ben at, at Albright NFL and follow uh, Benjamin Albright. He definitely retweeted. I know I saw it on there. But uh, that kid broke down that play. And Zach Wilson was definitely in the wrong there. Had a free rusher up the gut and just forced it into traffic. So if the Broncos are going to kind of emulate that success and they're going to be able to um, – force a lot of errant throws from Zach Wilson. Eric, what's the biggest key to that? To forcing errant throws? Yes. Um, disguising your coverage and being able to win your matchups to get pressure up front. Um, the Broncos, I know there's a lot of complaints about blitzing up front, how when Denver does it, they're very effective. They just don't do it all that often. 
Right. And that's just Big Fangio's mentality. He'll throw blitzes at you, but it's not going to be the, what he does on defense. He wants to win with four. And when that happens is you got to have your guys win one-on-one matchups. Shelby Harris is viewed as a really good, as a good pass rushing interior defensive lineman. Draymond Jones is supposed to be having this breakout year. Von Miller still looks to be one of the best. Those They got to win their one-on-one matchups yeah. and go get pressure up the middle or on the outside, and they got to force these errant throws in the secondary with Vic Bangio's coverage schemes. They got to be able to confuse Zach Wilson to hide what he's actually looking at and be able to capitalize off of him. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with you. Now, uh, before we pivot off of this conversation, I want to um, grab a, a quick question here from Higher Learnings. This is actually a pretty decent question. Uh, it seems like Dalton Reisner has not been the same since his ankle injury late his rookie year. That high ankle sprain, I believe, is what it was. I wonder if he is not able, able to anchor as strongly because of it. Eric, what do you think about that? I mean, it's definitely a possibility, but when watching over his play, the the issues there are there it's much more than that he, there's a lot of lowering his head into contact and lunging to try to get block to get to his blocks and it's just he's getting blown up he's getting his pad level too high it's just a lot more than upper body stuff that the ankle injury could be causing a problem with but i mean i i don't know if i would sit there and say it's the ankle injury personally I, I agree with you on that. I, I think that there's some hand placement technical issues that he's having as well right now. And um, also a pad level issue. There was a, a play specifically, I believe it was against the Jaguars. You kind of highlighted where he was, it, it looked like he looked like a bow quite literally. He was bent like a bow backwards over the top of his heels, put on skates completely. That is a sign of somebody getting underneath your pad level and you not playing with the requisite strength and ability to recover from that. Um, we've seen that a lot from Reisner this year, and it's definitely concerning. I don't want to put it on the ankle injury, but it's definitely a possibility. So I, I don't like to, to speculate as far as that goes because you don't want to blame injury for poor play. It can be a, a part of that. However, let's let's just not go there. It's a great question, though, higher learnings. I do appreciate that. Um, Eric, before we pivot off of this, you have one more matchup you want to get to or not? No, I already covered my three. Okay, sounds good. Well, we're going to pivot off of this and go back to that very first question. I believe it was from John Havlicek about uh, – it was actually more of a comment than a question – about how important this game is for the Denver Broncos and how important it is that they win this game. First things first, it's obviously the home opener. We all already know that. Uh, th- that's a big thing. You have to win all of your home games. But the gauntlet of this schedule comes from weeks four through weeks 11 or 12, I think is what it is, right after the Broncos bye week. And then after that, they also have a hearty stretch against the AFC West to close out the majority of the rest of the regular season. Now, Eric, you had a really interesting point to this. What exactly does it mean for the Broncos to have this game and to, and to win this game specifically? Well, I mean, obviously, anytime you win a game, it's obviously a good thing. But when the Broncos, with their schedule, how it's set up, is they have to come out of September 3-0. and That is the best way for them to make any push for the playoffs. I mean, the teams that they face, it's a gauntlet of games that aren't going to be, for lack of a better term, easy by any means. The caliber of quarterback play goes up. The caliber of just overall team talent goes up. And Denver is... They've got their work cut out for them. They have the Baltimore Ravens next week, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and so on and so forth. A lot of advantages that they've had over these first three games are going to disappear, and a lot of the things that they've been able to take advantage of, they're not going to be able to. They can't cap. They can't sit there and make some of the mistakes that they've made and go out there and beat a team like the Ravens or the Chiefs or possibly the Steelers, especially with their defense. So. Got it. They got to go out there. They got to win this game to set the most set themselves up in a position. I mean, with 14 games left after this week, being three and oh, looking at maybe 10 11 wins to go get to make the playoffs. That means of the last last few, I mean, you just got to win seven or eight of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking at the Broncos' schedule right now. And the last two games, let's see, I'm, I'm through November 7th is where I'm sitting at. Obviously, we have the Jets game coming up on Sunday. But the week after that, you have uh, the Baltimore Ravens coming into town. You're at Pittsburgh. Then you're home against the Raiders. Then you're at Cleveland. That four-game stretch right there is absolutely brutal because the Vegas Raiders have been playing phenomenal. They've already beaten Baltimore. They've already beaten Pittsburgh. They're, uh, they've are they been playing really good football, especially offensively. Derek Carr looks to be having an MVP type of season. Like th- He's playing very well, and I, I do want to thump my chest on that one just a little bit. Sorry. 
Uh, but the the Cleveland game, that game is so wild because that defense looks to be taking another step. Miles Garrett is probably the best pass rusher in the NFL right now. They have a two-headed monster at running back in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield is playing really good football. Odell Beckham Jr. seems to be playing some pretty decent football. It sounds like uh, Jarvis Landry's hurt right now. So uh, that'll be something to monitor over the next couple of weeks. But that first four games, that's brutal, guys. And that's a real big test. And to have the Broncos play playing these games against these inferior opponents like the Giants, like the Jaguars, like the Jets this week. If the Broncos do manage to handle their business against the Jets and come out 3-0, and that's a big step in the right direction. And we are going to need to see what happens with this uh, – with this, with this team going down the stretch of the, the next four, uh, the next four weeks, but think about it like this for just a second. I'm going to go on a rant here for a sec, guys. The uh, the Broncos over the last five seasons have been really one of the bottom five teams in the NFL. And if you look at the the spectrum of competitiveness, it's the way I like to call this. There are four stages in the spectrum of competitiveness. You have losing big games, losing close games winning close games, and then winning big games. So essentially, you're going to lose and get blown out a lot. Go back to, what, 2017 against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Broncos let up a 50-burger against Philadelphia, who went on to win the Super Bowl that season. They also got shut out for the first time since 1992 against the Chargers that year. They were losing games big, losing big games, losing by large deficits. Over the last couple of seasons, they've regressed closer closer towards the middle of the, the spectrum of competitiveness. They've lost a handful of close games. Uh, got close to winning some games they probably shouldn't have, but the games that they did lose were one-score games against teams that they should have beat. Like, let's go back to the uh, the New York Giants game that they had a, a handful of years ago where they came in as a 10-point favorite and got smacked on Monday Night Football 23-10 to in the Vance Joseph era. They also lost against the Chicago Bears in Vic Fangio's first season. That was a game that they probably should have won. They lost on a last-second field goal. The Jacksonville Jaguars lost on a last-second field goal. The Indianapolis Colts, that was a game they could have won. Lost on a last-second field goal. The Minnesota, like You see where we're getting at? They're starting to lose these games a little bit closer. Now they're moving into that next part of the spectrum where they're going to start winning some close games, stealing some games away from teams that they probably shouldn't be stealing them from. But they're also doing something that we haven't seen in a long time in Broncos country. They're taking advantage of these inferior opponents. They're not only winning the games that they should be winning, but they're doing it in dominant fashion, like literally dominant fashion. They had 39 minutes of time of possession against the Jaguars last week. That is how you transition from being a bad team to a dominant team by winning the games you should be winning and doing it in dominant fashion. We'll see how this moves forward. Eric, what do you think about that? I mean, what you said is true. I mean, the I know a lot of people are trying to discredit the Broncos because, oh, look at the teams they've played. But it wasn't that long ago that the Broncos were losing these games. So it's a step forward is that you got to got to go out there and win. And one of the biggest concerns that I have for the Broncos going forward isn't necessarily – isn't just who they're playing. It's the injuries that are starting to take the toll and how long these guys are going to be out. And so they come at – obviously, any injury comes at a terrible time. But, I mean, these ones – it's just there's going to be some key games where these players could be very beneficial for the Broncos that they're not going to be able to play. Brian Greenfield came in with a $5 donation saying, yeah, but the Raiders do this after year after six wins. They blow up. Yeah, and the Broncos, they uh, they play them week six. So, I mean, that's some reason to be concerned. If they're if they're 5-0 and going on that, they still got that one win before that blow up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They do. And it doesn't necessarily get any easier. Even after that Raiders or the Cleveland game, they have Washington who has a really good defense. Their offense might not be the best in the NFL, but Taylor Heineke is playing really good football right now. And then Dallas who has one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. If you really want to think about it, Dak Prescott has been phenomenal over the last few games that he has played. It was really unfortunate to see him last season you know, break his ankle because he had four games in a row, it was like three or four games in a row, something like that, where he was over 400 yards passing. Like that's unheard of. Even in today's NFL, like that, this offense is crazy, crazy legit. They've got three elite uh, wide receivers, a good offensive line, but obviously Ezekiel Elliott, the defense is really the question there. But if this Broncos offense can't keep it going against a, a defense like that, like who knows what could happen? Dallas could easily win that football game. It's just it comes back to down to what I was kind of saying just a little bit ago about how the the, the Broncos are winning these games. We're going to see how it translates into these opponents that are you know head and shoulders above where the Broncos are at, especially coming off of last year. The Baltimore Ravens, who are essentially a playoff team, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a top 
seven defense. Like the, it's going to get tough for this Broncos team. I really am excited to see the direction that this team is going in. I want to see it translate a little bit more, but don't take these wins for granted, guys. Scott, we were talking to Scott earlier. This team was five and eleven last season. Don't take these wins for granted because it wasn't too long ago we were watching these teams lose these games. Brian jumping back in here with a $5 donation. Really, the NFC is the worst division in the in the league. The NFC East, I'm assuming he's going into. Yeah. And yes, you're you're right. Um, they, they probably are. But uh also at the same time, that Washington team, that defense is for real, man. Like they they really are a, a good defensive unit up front, especially with Chase Young. Um Jonathan Allen as well. I'm, I'm forgetting a couple of guys on, uh, off the top of my head right now. I need to look at it again. But I mean, Washington is a, is a scary team, and if they get the offense going, they they can they can cause some damage. I mean, it, the NFC East is the worst division in in, in in the NFL right now, but it's not because of the defenses. It's because of the offenses. I mean, Washington. So many questions about that. Taylor Heineke. I mean, what is he going to be? Daniel Jones. He plays well, but the team just can't manage to win. But the Giants' defense is pretty solid. Dallas Cowboys, they have the most explosive offense in that bunch, and they just happen to be a little weak on, in the defense. They're probably the weakest defense. so that They don't fit in with it, with everybody else in there. And then the Eagles, they're just so questionable on both sides of the ball at certain spots. So it's the weakest, but, I mean, there's talented defenses. There's talent there that makes these games so tough for the Broncos. Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, going to grab this comment from Robot of Doom on Twitch. Just got to shout out all of our Twitch supporters. Really, guys, if you're on Twitch, make sure you subscribe to Mile High Huddle. That would be a great boost to our following, uh, especially on the in a Twitch spectrum. Uh, but uh, Robot of Doom says, oh, Denver ain't winning against Cleveland in Cleveland on Thursday night football. I have them losing badly, like 35 to 17 badly. Uh, the only way they win is if they play the best game ever. Um on paper, like pencil and paper right now, pencil and I have it as a loss as well. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we, we just don't know as of right yet. We need to see what this team looks like against Baltimore for sure um, and the Pittsburgh the following week. But, uh, it, I mean, they could steal one. They could definitely steal one uh, against Cleveland. I mean, it's definitely not outside the realm of possibility. This isn't like Alabama versus McNeese State, guys. These are all professionals, and every team is a, a quality team. They have quality players. Uh, if you ask Urban Meyer, it is because <laughs> like every team in the NFL is like playing Alabama, right? Well, I, I, <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's you're not even even when the Broncos are beating up on these uh, on these small fry guys like the like the the Jets, the Jaguars, and the Giants, they're not you know the mix the, the McNeese State of the world. Alabama beat the Citadel last year like seventy to three, like they and they do it every single year. They play that that low level. D3 school that is just trying to get a payday essentially. This isn't like that. This is the NFL. Every player is on scholarship. They all get paid. They are all quality players to be able to get into the NFL. So it's not the same. Like just because the Broncos are beating up on these these small fry uh, non contenders afterthought teams doesn't mean that they can't hang with a, with a team like the the Ravens or the Chiefs or the Steelers. Like they they have some talent here and they can actually I mean catch lightning in a bottle. Really, it's not impossible. And, I mean, how long ago was it that we'd head into these games against a team that's as talented as the Browns are this year on a short week and be lack the confidence that the team will score even 10 points? Yep. I mean, if Denver can go into Cleveland and lose that and get 17 points against them and lose by 18, 35 to 17, I mean, a loss is a loss, but, I mean, there's that's a positive. It's a step forward for them with how bad that the this team has been over the years. Yeah. So, I mean, it's guess the silver lining of it um i actually think that the game will be a little bit closer than that but uh we'll see there's a lot that's going to happen and then brian greenfield came back in with a, a donation to that uh through two games at the washington he hasn't been impressed with the washington defense um yeah they definitely they're not quite as uh advertised so far this year but i mean oh they're what was it last year? I think it was that they started off pretty slow on defense and they kind of turned it up a little bit. So there's just a, some moving parts there that take some time. Uh, by the time that the Broncos actually get around to playing them, we'll have a much better idea about how talented that defense actually is. Yeah. And you're right on that. And I'm going to shout out Scott, even though he said he, that he didn't necessarily want us to, but it is going to be nice to go into Cleveland and then be able to play that Washington football team uh, on 10 days worth of rest. So, 
Um, let me run through the chat one more time, guys. Kind of slowing down a little bit. Uh, Samantha's not necessarily feeling too good, so I'm going to try to get out of here just a little bit early if we can tonight. Um, get you guys' questions in really fast before I get into the matters of business. If you have any, make sure you get them in now. If not, we're going to wrap this up here in just a second. Um, let's see here. Um, so there's the robot of doom one. Uh, he actually came back in. I just feel like after Cleveland's, uh, saw what they did to Kansas city last year and this year, they know that they can beat Kansas city and that fan base is going to go wild. I just, I just don't know. I don't like our chances, but they, they need to have Cleveland overlook them and bam, Denver gets a dub. I mean, again, this is the NFL and you ne shouldn't necessarily be looking like overlooking teams like that. It does happen. And that there is trap games there. And I do like Cleveland. I like the way that they're built right now. They, they're, they're built to play winning football in December, but when the Broncos go in there and they're built to win fo winning football in December and January as well, when the Broncos go in there, it's October. So let's pump the brakes just a little bit on that one. Uh, like they, they can, they can hang this, this team is playing football well enough that they can hang with just about anybody. Uh, let's see here. Um, I'm not seeing anything necessarily jumping off the page here. Uh, is Javante Williams close to taking the job that's come from Chase Wellner, Eric? No. It'll continue to be 50-50 for a while, which is, which is better than what I thought it was going to be entering the season. So, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've been impressed with Javante Williams. I, I will say that. I was impressed with him in North Carolina, but I've been impressed with him over the first couple of weeks. He seems to be running with better vision, and he's bouncing off of a lot of guys. Like He showed that at, at North Carolina as well with all the broken tackles he had at the college level, but he's doing it at the NFL level. I don't necessarily think it's going to be long before he does see the majority of the rep share there, but I, I'm with Eric. One, um, just, just roll with Melvin Gordon. Run him into the dirt if you have to. No, I'm just playing. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Um, we actually missed a uh, super chat from Brian Greenfield. So this okay. game should be easy because of our D versus their O. A lot would have to go wrong to lose or make this game even close, in his opinion. Um, I basically agree. I, it's, yeah. it's one of those things where any given Sunday, so you don't want to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, Denver's got this one in the bag because, you know, weirder things have happened. But it's a game that Denver should go out there and should win. And uh, saw a couple people talk about the interior offensive line, Dalton Reisner. Um, Black Knight specifically said, so what's the deal? I read they had a little grade and he was impressive in his first and second season. Um, he was impressive his rookie season, but last year he just got worse and worse as the season went on. Um, part of it is that he just doesn't fit what the Broncos want to do in the running game. Mm. Um, and then there just seems to be a complete, la complete uh, lack of trust in his fundamentals and a complete, um, what's the right word? Uh, um, he's just, he's just not tr seems to be trusting himself and his technique a little bit. Um, seems to be the concern there. Before we get to the matters of business, I want to say is like anybody in the chat who's going to be at the game Sunday, um, go ahead and let us make a comment in the chat and let us know. Yeah, I we'll, we'll, meet you guys. Yeah, we'll shout you out before we get out of here. Um, but with that, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight on the Dove Valley Deep Divers Podcast. Scott, I'm going to take the controls here on this one. Um, oh, I just pulled the pop up here. Let's see here. Anyways, guys, make sure you guys are following me on Twitter by finding me at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, make sure you guys are following at DVDD underscore pod. That's a podcast account. That's where you're going to find out what we're talking about every single week. We'll throw some takes out there occasionally and, and, you know, drop my name or drop Eric's name, something like that. Not very often, but at DVDD underscore pod, that's where you're going to find all that kind of information. Uh, while you guys are at it, make sure you're following uh, Scott Kennedy at Scout Kennedy as well and at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account. That's where you guys are going to get breaking news and analysis on your Denver Broncos, including film breakdowns and opinion articles, really anything regarding the Denver Broncos. That's where you're going to find it at mile high huddle guys. If you're in a financial position and able to do so head on over to huddleuppod.com and get your merch on. That is the merch tent. I'm a concert guy, merch tent, not your swag. Get your merch, get yourself a Dove Valley deep divers, a hat like myself or that Dove Valley deep divers shirt or the new hashtag state of being Dove Valley deep divers t-shirt. There's also something for every show, MHI building the Broncos, the huddle up show, uh, anything to support the, the podcast. There's a the face mask, a coffee cup, a hoodie, a onesie for your baby. If that's your fancy, you're going to get it at huddleuppod.com. Uh, Facebook users go to facebook.com 
uh, slash mile high huddle. Click the blue become a supporter button where you guys can get premium content like the trickle zone, which, which airs every Saturday at noon, except for this week, because we're going to be in Denver. Um, and then you also get Kelberman's corner and Broncos book club with uh, Chad Jensen every Sunday as well. Uh, and guys, if you're not, you know, financially able to do so, or that's just not your bag. You don't want to, you know, throw a bunch of money towards our way. That's fine. We, I mean, that's, that's a great thing. We, and we really appreciate that. But the thing we appreciate the most is wherever you guys are watching this, subscribe YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, does not matter. Subscribe to mile high huddle, like every single video you guys see. And if you love it, share it, get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possibly, because that is the most organic way that you can help us grow our brand and again, do the thing that we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, with that, Eric, is there any? Actually, let's see here. Let's see here. Let's see who we got coming in here. Um, I'm not seeing anybody saying that they're going to be at the game. They're going to be at the game. So, nope, not uh, unfortunately. No. Uh, one last thing before we get out of here, and I throw it to Eric. Uh, make sure you guys head on over to MileHighHuddle.com for the Mile High Huddle Roundtable piece. That is our score predictions piece. It's up live right now. Been up since about noon this afternoon. You can catch my score prediction, which I'm not going to drop here live. So you guys have to go over there and check that out. Eric, you said what 40, 42 to nine. Uh, something like that. It was over 40 to under to like either 10 or below. I can't remember what it was. I got you. All right, man. Well, before we get out of here, any last words from you? Yeah. I mean, uh, anybody who's in the chat, that's going to be at the game Sunday. Super excited to meet you and, uh, super excited that about, uh, little over 24 hours from now i'm gonna meet your ugly face in person oh man i i cannot wait to slap you silly not just playing <laughs> uh no i'm super excited super stoked cannot wait to see every single one of your guys' smiling shining faces and go watch the broncos beat the jets ass on on tv so I've, i'm really really excited to be able to do that so uh Anyways, guys, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for watching the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, before we get out of here, go Broncos. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.